Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Man, super excited today. Have another episode of How the Grades Do It. Um, super excited. We got Brian Lawrence today, head of sales for Clozar. Brian, appreciate you jumping on with us. Tyler, happy to be here, man. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. Absolutely, man. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've been up to of late and um, some of the great things you're doing at the Clozar. Yeah. So, you know, I started my my career uh, at Oracle Software Career, second largest software company in the world at the time. But af- after, you know, I had six jobs in four years there. It was spectacular. I learned a ton. But since then, I pretty much devoted my career to early stage companies. So built out a company called Webmetrics till we sold that. Uh, Hello Sign, which uh, is now owned by Dropbox and Dropbox Sign. And then uh, since earlier this year, I'm over at Clozar. So it's an early stage company. We help companies launch on the cloud marketplaces. So on Google, AWS, and Microsoft Azure, having a, a ton of fun uh, getting back to the, this building stage and seeing where the world takes us. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, man. A little bit different of a world um, going from you know a big company like Oracle down to the startup world. Like, what helped yeah. you make that differentiation of like, hey, I want to be in that startup world compared to you know really a Fortune fifty? Yeah. So the the day I left Oracle, the stock went up two bucks. So apparently, Wall Street <laughs> was not rattled my by my departure. And you know, I I just had this feeling. I met one of the really early employees at Oracle, and he told me how. You know, you go over this little bridge and you see these six towers for Oracle. And he's like, man, I just get a thrill out of uh, knowing that like I helped build that. And that hit home yeah. with me because I said, you know, no matter what I do here at Oracle, I'm never going to have that same feeling. And that's part of what I want. Um, you know, I want to to help make a mark. And so that kind of is part of what steered me towards, hey, like I like to build things. And you know, also the the other part of it is just the profound impact that you can have on people's careers and help them build and develop and take on additional responsibility. And so I love seeing, you know, people who worked for me as SDRs a few years ago. Now they're directors and VPs of sales and heads of customer success and just yeah. doing all these amazing things. So th- those are the things I get a kick out of. No, I love that. And you know, you talk about the mentoring part of, of sales. I think that's what gets all of us leaders super excited. And if if I think for all the leaders out there maybe listening, right? Like if that doesn't get you excited, you may not be you may not be in the right type of role. Um man, what what drove you to sales? Like for me, right? I'm always been like yeah. one, one of those career salespeople. I always knew I was gonna be a salesperson. Like, um, what was that like for you? Yeah, so I definitely did not. Uh, you know, I was a, a poli sci major <laughs> in college, and when I graduated, I was like, "Well, I could go to law school, but that doesn't seem that awesome. I could go work yeah. for you know, uh, go work for a congressperson and make like twenty four grand a year, and and back at the time, lick envelopes, uh, and that didn't <laughs> seem that exciting. And I kind of stumbled into sales, and just the more I got into it, you know, I love working with people. I'm like I think most successful people, salespeople, I'm competitive. Like you, you give me yeah. something, I want to keep score. Like let let me, you know, let, um, you know, an example is uh, I I uncovered like a couple years ago on Uber that you as a uh, a rider get rated 
and I found out my rating was like 4.4. And I was like, oh man, I think it's because like we canceled <laughs> some rides and like, I think maybe my kid, you know, had young kids. And I took that as like a, uh, a, a personal challenge. And so now like I'm up to like 4.9 and I don't know how much, you know, even with all the fives, because you, you, you can only drag it so much, but that, that right. sort of thing, like that just instilled, you know, that ignited that competitive spirit. And that's part of what I love about sales is that you have yeah. a really good idea that, that it's not, uh, it's not a gray area. It's black and white. You can see how you're doing, how you're stacking up against your peers. Um, one of my mantras for my team has always been that we're competitive yet collaborative. And so that means, Hey, yep. we're going to, there's a leaderboard, you know, who's at the top, you know, who's at the bottom and the idea is, Hey, if you're at the bottom, you want to get to the top. And if you're at the top, you want people at the bottom pushing you. You want them coming up. You want some challengers. Makes all of us better. And so, you know, that and the fact that like, hey, I I only sell products that I really, truly believe in. And so feeling like we're making a difference and that we're making people's lives better, that, you know, it's a product that I stand behind. And and I also tell people I've got like uh, my mother-in-law test. Can I in in one or two sentences describe to my mother-in-law what the company is and and why it's valuable. So um, with that, yeah, that, that's what led me here, man. I love that. You know, has there been any kind of turning points or challenges that's maybe shaped your approach to sales? You know, I think like every salesperson that, you know, so much on LinkedIn, you hear about the successes and the wins and the glory and things like that. But I'll tell you, Oh yeah. You know, I, I've been around in, in software sales long enough that some of these, uh, you know, really prominent influencers, I knew them back in the day. And <laughs> I, I think like all of us that, um, you know, there, there are times where people have missed quota. There are times where people, uh, you know, forecasted a big deal and it didn't come in. Like they're, they're, um, that's just the reality of sales. And what I'll tell you is what I found is when sales wasn't going well, instead of blaming you know, my patch or, you know, the, the product or my manager or market conditions. I I've just always looked inward and tried to figure out like, Hey, what can I do better? What can I do to control my destiny? And even like in a recession, knowing that hundreds of billions of dollars uh, of software are still being sold. Like there, there there's still stuff happening. And so I just need to figure out how I can elevate myself, elevate my product, my company, and get my fair share of it and, and a little bit more. There you go. I, I love that. You know, I think that you, you know, our conversations together, you've been really great at, you know, building long-term relationships and, you know, thinking about how we just bring extra value to the customers. Like maybe you can help, help unpack some of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, when I started my career at Oracle, there was it, uh, kind of a, a notoriety around Oracle and SAP and Siebel for some of these huge deals they sold that then nothing ever happened. And it was called shelfware. Yeah. You know, you would people would spend millions of dollars buying software, and then for run, one reason or another, nothing ever happened. But you know what? The sold rep, sales rep had sold it. They made a ton of money, and they moved on. And so see I think you later. The world, <laughs> see you later. You know, good luck. Um, and the world's changed a lot. And I think you cannot be a, a successful software company these days without making sure that your customers are successful. And with, you know, the SaaS with, Hey, people are choosing every, every day, every, every month, every year to renew with you, to stay with you. And so you really have to focus on making sure that you're not just selling to anybody who's willing to buy, but that it's actually mm-hmm. a really good fit that you're adding value. 
And that after you've initially sold the product that they're set up, whether that's through you or a customer success team or account management, however it's structured, but that you're yeah. really focused on making sure the customers are successful. And the, the whole rule around like one um, unhappy customer is going to be 20 times more vocal than a, than a happy customer. Uh, but happy customers can be amazing and a great sense of referrals. But man, if you have an unhappy customer, that's toxic and that can really ruin you on the marketplace. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, so you bring it up, like making sure that we have great, you know, it's not even, you know, I think when we think about sales, we always think about the front end, right? Yeah. But there's, there's always a backside of that. And you have, I, you and I have chatted about this, right? Like having a great customer success team is just as important as the front end sale. Um, and so like, how are you making sure that you bring value to customers throughout the entire process? Yeah. And so I think it, it starts with the very beginning um, that it, more and more this idea of like, hey, we're going to make it really hard for you to find out our pricing. And I, as I said, like, I'm going to hold <laughs> that really see. I'm going to make you beg for it. You got to talk to an SDR. And then, you know, you got to catch me. I got to, I'm going to bant you and go through all this. Right. And then maybe I'm going to give uh, pricing to you. And I think more and more, it's like, hey, let's be upfront with people. Let's let them, uh, you know, the buyers understand what they're looking at and provide them with more information, more information. And I think is, you know, salespeople think about, you know, that can be scary. This idea around AI, people are, you know, am I going to be replaced? Where's the value? And what I'll tell you is I think the most successful people are going to look at these as tools. How do I, how do I share pricing earlier? How do I get more people mm -hmm. to uh, opt out or opt into talking with me? Um, and so I'm having more qualified conversations. How do I use these tools like AI um, to, to make sure that I'm having great conversations with the right people? And so I think the more you do that up front, it carries through the whole sales process. And if you can't get that structured up front, it, it's tough to recover from. And so you're kind of setting yourself and the rest of the team up for failure. And, yeah. um, you know, the other part I would share is that I, I kind of, uh, in some ways I don't like the idea that there's a department called customer success because I truly believe like all of us need to be responsible for customer success. And so that's yeah. from the first SDR who talks to them to an AE, the VP of sales, the folks in product and, and marketing engineering everyone, um, as well as the person has the title of like customer success manager. Yeah, no, you know, you bring up a good point, right? Like, but I think that that's almost a, a place of culture, right? Like building a culture yeah. of, Hey, like we're all part of this idea of customer success and making sure our customers as happy as possible and they have the best experience. And so, you know, as we think about making, always making that culture a better place, like what are some things that you're implementing, especially in this remote environment? Um, of building the culture of like, hey, we're we're all part of this journey, um, and we want to make sure it's a good one. Yeah, no, and I I know this is something you and I have talked about before, and it's something you're really passionate about too. So we would love to get your your take on it. But I'll just tell you, yeah, you know, I think one hiring is absolutely critical, and making sure upfront that you're hiring people who are obsessed with customers and making sure they're they're successful. Um, two, we try to, you know, we are an entirely remote, uh, environment and that's my first time doing this, uh, in sales, having everyone remote. 
and it it has its benefits, but it has its challenges. And so the, one of the things we really emphasize, we have a daily sales standup and it's just a quick chance for everyone to connect and be like, what's going well? Uh, what's been challenging? Here's the call that was an absolute freaking disaster. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm used to like being in the yeah. office and you would have that call. And as soon as you hang up, People, you know, yeah, over the keyboard, someone giving... would pop up. Oh, yeah. What's up, dude? What happened? And you would just like, <laughs> oh, I got to tell you about this one. And so people were there to commiserate and stuff like that. And in today, like, you have that horrible phone call and you hang up and you're just like, man, I, I you know, maybe I can tell the dog about it. Um, and so trying to create <laughs> that support because, hey, that's what makes us better. That makes makes us stronger. Having those bad calls, learning from them, shaking them off and, and, and moving on to the next call. And so trying to build as much as we can through, you know, uh, through uh, Zoom and, and Slack. And uh, we use this tool called Gather, which is a virtual office. And uh, it's really fun okay. because everyone has a desk and you can go and do video conferencing and and stuff like that. So I think trying to, you know, take as much of the the positives that we got out of in office and finding a way to blend those in as much as possible into the virtual experience. So how, how about on your yeah. side? Yeah, I I think you're spot on, right? Like it's it's having high touch points without being um or having the team feel like they're being micromanaged, right? Because no one ever wants to feel like that. And I think as we think about what's important to us and our initiatives, right, it's like bringing those out front because sometimes those initiatives, right, can be easily forgotten about. And so chatting with the team around, hey, like we want to make sure that, that this is a great experience through the entire journey. Like I think that's something that we bring up every time we chat with the team um, yeah. and almost maybe almost that uh, that Ted Lasso believe Right, like you got to come up with something and, and and connect the team back to it, so it's maybe it's appreciate or maybe it's um, you know, sharing the love, right? Like whatever it is to make sure that people will realize, like, hey, this is this this is super important on our side. But I feel like what's worked for me is just having really great touch points, multiple team meetings, um, where they don't seem forced, and it, yep. it sometimes it would be like, hey, have a meeting, have a meeting with me, and have a meeting without me because. You know, sometimes they need that peer-to-peer uh, interaction without, um, w- without you know, the manager or the yep. leader standing over and uh, and being part of that, right? Like they 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 want that and they need that, and um, that's something I found successful in in um, different teams that I've led. But you know, yep. I don't think it's a one size fits all either, right? It's it's that team mentality and building trust, and um, so it's always fun to pivot and and find things that work and to not work. Yeah, I think some of the best team meetings that have taken place are the ones where I'm not there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, and we just like, hey, sometimes I'll have something come up and I just say to the team, you, you've you got it, you know, go ahead and have yeah. it um, and really great things come from it. But, um, you know, to, to touch upon a couple of the things you said, our CEO, uh, Trinal and I were talking about how the fact like if we hire, because we're really confident in our marketing, we know tons uh, in our market, tons of companies are looking to go to these cloud marketplaces. Like that's an inevitable trend that's happening. We know we have a really strong product. And so basically we just concentrate on the fact that like our job is to hire, you know, to attract and retain and, and energize great people. And knowing if yeah. we do that, we're going to be successful. And if we don't do that, we we won't like, no, nothing else matters. And <laughs> that's what it really comes down to. You know, if you've got 
great people, they're energized and they want to stay, you're going to do really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, what about like different tools that you are using currently? Like, you know, you brought up AI and I think there's a lot of new yeah. tools coming out with different AI capabilities. Like anything that's crossed your desk, that's like getting you excited or making saying like, Hey man, it's making my reps jobs easier to do their jobs. Yeah. So I went through kind of an interesting experience where uh, when I made the decision uh, late last year and early this year uh, that I was looking for kind of next early stage opportunity, I left a company, Airslate, which, you know, uh, we had crossed over the hundred million in the ARR, had tripled sales in in three and a half years there, but it was time for me to to do something new. And so I kind of had this list of like, hey, I want to talk to you probably series A companies doing like one to 5 million in ARR, B2B SaaS with a, a business application. And so I had pretty yeah. clear metrics and I ended up, I talked to uh, about 25 CEOs of companies that fit that criteria. And one of the things I asked all of them was, you know, hey, tell me a little bit about your tech stack. And I'll tell you five years ago, if I had asked them, probably at least 20 of them would have said, oh, we're running on Salesforce. This time, 23 out of the 25 said we're running on HubSpot, which uh, was wow. pretty amazing to me. And so this has been my first time in, in you know a, a long time, a couple of decades that I've been doing something other than Salesforce. So I've been doing a lot on HubSpot. And I'll tell you, you know, yeah. well, it, it is amazing how much that platform has grown. Um, and I think that a lot of the things, you know, I, I'm always one for... Um, simplicity. And I know that myself and like the sales reps, I know they don't want seven different tools. And the more that you can keep them in the CRM and, and keep them in the spot where they're comfortable. And so I think what's been cool is like seeing all the different things you can do within HubSpot. And then we're certainly augmenting it and building it out and using things like Zoom Info and Apollo and LinkedIn Sales Navigator and building these tools on, on top of it. But, yeah. um, you know, finding that instead of going out and, <clears throat> hey, I need nine tools, you know, I need one for the, the outbound emails and I need one for uh, call transcription and things like that. Trying to keep as much of that in the foundation, because I, I think one thing that I would caution early stage sales leaders and RevOps people about is there's so many tools and they all they look bright and shiny and it's so easy to, to uh, succumb. But I think there's a lot to be said for keeping your tech stack more limited, but really getting the most out of it. And so that's that's been the uh, area of focus for us right now. Yeah, so often than not, companies acquire a new technology. The adoption is super low. And so the problem that they thought it was going to solve ended up not solving any problems because then the tool doesn't get utilized in the right way. And so, yeah, I mean, great point there, right? Like the more that we can simplify the tech stack um, and HubSpot is a great example of that, right? Having a ton of capabilities within the tool um, and making it super user-friendly is going to hire the adoption. And overall, right? Like there may be tools out there that do it better, but when it comes to simplicity and having it all in one, I think there has to be something to said um, for that. And I think that's why we're seeing more companies in the space, um, similar to Clary, you know, acquiring Groove, right? Yeah. Where companies are going to then continue to optimize and bring technology together and hopefully better for the consumer in that sense. 
And and I think that, um, you know, for every salesperson out there, it's something they need to be cognizant of that, like, here's how I'm looking internally. Well, guess what? Externally, that's how my customers are thinking about it. Um, you know, there's nobody who has a blank check right now. Hey, you know, it's not 2021 and um, yeah, go, go build yeah. whatever you need, go buy whatever you need that people are really scrutinizing those purchases. And so if you're, if your product is viewed as a nice to have uh, versus a necessity, that's a tough spot. And so you got to figure out how do I make this a necessity? What, what is the business case for that? Um, and, and really digging deep there. Yeah, for sure. You know, does the approach change at all when you're talking to different clients or maybe a different industry? Or is it the talk tracks very similar for you right now? I I think that um, that's a, a, a great question. And I think that, you know, going back to making sure that you as a salesperson, that you bring as much knowledge to it as you can, that you understand things about you, your customer, you understand things about their industry, what other people like them are doing. I think that's really powerful. And you know, the fundamentals of sales don't change regardless of industry. And, yeah. um, and so I think there's kind of a blend there that it's still like, Hey, are you uncovering business issues? Are you uncovering pain? Are you creating, you know, as, uh, Keenan, uh, writes in, in, you know, selling the gap, gap selling, um, which is one of my favorite concepts, you know, are you discovering enough difference between where they are today and where they could be? Um, and that you're filling that in. And so I think there's a ton to be done there. Um, and in different industries, it means you've got to take a different approach. You've got to under, understand their industry, but that yeah. doesn't mean that the fundamentals of selling have changed. Absolutely. You know, as you think about different industries or maybe different um, different clients, right? Like, And this is the reason why we do persona-based selling, right? Yeah. The the industry may be a, bit, a little bit different, but as long as you understand that persona and they have the same problem solved, that your product solves the same problem um, for maybe different industries, maybe the approach doesn't change, right? Like, um, let's not overcomplicate things, right? You maybe need yep. to know the lingo for the industry because sometimes that differs. But for the most part, your product does something. It solves a problem um, or provides a service in a way that is value to someone else. Right. Like figure yep. out, figure out the problem that it solves and um, be really good at having a conversation. And I don't think necessarily the approach changes so much. Tyler, I think you nailed it. It kind of goes to one of your earlier questions around, you know, strategy. And I'll just tell you, you know, one of my learnings is when I'm not having the results, I expect taking a step back and looking inward first. Yeah. What am I not doing? What, what principles am I not following? What <laughs> could I do to tighten this up? And focus on that. And uh, I, I see you grinning. I, I think you've seen a similar type thing. Am I right? Or what, well, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, hey, man, you. I think all of us as, as sales individuals and even as leaders, right, we're always trying to reinvent the wheel, right? And we're, um, we always ask you, you very young uh, or new reps, right? They say, like, hey, don't reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah. we, we know what works, like implement what, what we're saying. And, and I think part of, our end, right? We're trying to find what's next and what's working. And so we're trying to reinvent the wheel, but sometimes bringing it back to the basics and saying, look, let's not overcomplicate this. That's, let's go out and solve problems and we'll sell a shit ton of services or, or product, right? That's, that's the name of the game. And ultimately I think what, um, what works. Yep. 
Man, your perception. I know that. Yeah, you use LinkedIn quite often, right? Like, and you, I think you use it more of a tool than a lot of people use use it. Um, I think LinkedIn more of a, as a resume sometimes um, for a lot of people. But I think you've taken a different approach to it, and I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, and and, and I'll tell you, I was still not quite sure what I'm doing on LinkedIn. You know, I don't have like this. You know, I, I see people who are like, I post five times a week. I post seven. I, you know, I post between these hours and here's, I make sure that, you know, three, three of my posts each week are this. And I look at that and I'm like, man, kudos. But like, that's not, yeah. me. I, 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 I don't quite roll that way. And more it's like, Hey, what inspires me? How are I'm feeling at the moment? Um, but I, I've seen, you know, I've seen a ton of benefits from it. It's, it's how I've gotten connected with with people like you and people yeah. like, you know, Morgan Ingram and uh, Samantha McKenna and you know, just some amazing relationships that have stemmed from it. Um, yeah. And for me, it, it's also been just like talking about my true authentic self and just like, Hey, here, here's, here's where I am. And, you know, I, I post stuff about like my kids about, you know, um, things I, I've posted stuff about, immigration and things that like impact the the workforce and views on that. Um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, I've had people, you know, and, and there are some people who don't respond well to that. You know, they, they think, think that uh, LinkedIn is very specifically tailored, you know, for exactly this. Um, and my feeling is, Hey, if you don't like it, you know, keep scrolling past. But um, I, I found it, it's really helpful as a recruiting tool that when I'm able to say, Hey, I'm looking uh, one, Know, there are a fair number of eyeballs. Um, and so I see things that way, but also going back to that concept of like, I think it lets some people select out who otherwise I would have had a conversation with because they're like, yeah, I don't think we'd work well together. Um, you know, they know what my style is. They know the type of leader I am and that's not for them. And great. You know, like I wish them, but nothing but success because my, my biggest concern when I hire someone what I try really hard to guard against is like three months in that they're going to look at me and just say, this wasn't what I expected. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like that interview process has to be two way. And it's not just like, Hey, let's put on our best face for each other. Obviously you're trying to present mm -hmm. well, but let's be real. And, you know, I, I think if someone went through and, and scrolled through my LinkedIn history and my posts, they pretty, they get a pretty good sense of who I am and where I'm at. Yeah. Do, do you ever have people come to an interview and say like that they did maybe a little bit research or did a lot of research on you and maybe know a lot about you before they come on because you're so active on LinkedIn? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think that a great way to disqualify yourself from a sales role is to show up to an interview and not, ha I'm not saying you have to have read my post from three years ago on X topic. But if you show up and you, you know you ask someone, so like, how long have you been here at the company, or wh where were you before? Like, my expectation is that you, as a first of all, when you're getting hired, that should be the biggest sale you're making this year, right? And so I'm looking For at sure. hey, what is your approach to that, and if you can't be bothered to do a little bit of research and background uh, on me, then. Am I going to put you in front of my top three prospects? How how confident am I that you're going to do the research on our customers and bring a really informed point of view? Uh, you know the chance, and that's I'll say that's true. You know, for an SDR 
for a manager, for an AE, I think most roles in, in customer success, you know, customer success, I'm expecting you to keep track of your customers and understand what's happening in their industry and with their company and things like that. And this knowledge is sitting there at your fingertips. You know, you can hop on LinkedIn and in 30 seconds, you get a great view of it. And if someone's not going to take the time to do that, that's a pretty big flag for me in the hiring process. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. The one thing I can say is I love the authentic self that you um that you present on LinkedIn. And I think that that's spot on, right? Like, and I think it's part of the reason why you, you post the way you do, right? And I think also why you're getting the sort of engagement that you do on your posts as well, right? Like people see that it's the, it's your authentic self and right. It, you're not trying to be anyone else, but I would say that if I have to give any advice to um people out there watching, right? Like be your authentic self. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're not, you're not going to be as happy. Um, yeah. And if you put on that, that fake face or that fake persona, if you will, right? Like, you know, it's not going to land as well. Like be you, have people love you for you. And if they don't, right, like find somewhere where they do. Because right. there's people out there that gonna, that you're going to love to work with and that are going to love to work with you. Um, but you won't ever know what that feels like until you can just be you and and, and own it. Yep. Yep. No, man, I, I think you're you're so onto it right there because they're what, they're what like 7 billion people on earth. You don't have to fit with all of them, but you want to find your tribe. You want to find the ones who do fire you up and you fire them up and you click with, and you've got that connection and and you help make each other, other better. Yeah, for sure. Man, have there been any um, instances where you've accounted maybe maybe a setback or like you've were able to turn into a, a valuable learning experience? Too many to count. Um, you know, I, I think, <laughs> and like I said earlier, you know, I think some of these, some people on LinkedIn make it look so easy and, you know, they never tell you about the, the ups and the downs that yeah. you know, they never got fired. They never got on it. You know, they don't talk about being let go or, or things like that. And I'll tell you, um, some of my best quarters in sales have followed my worst quarters. That's the, the biggest thing with it. Where, you know, I believe in a, you know, trust the process. Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right activities? Am I, you know, continuing to learn about my product? Am I having good conversations? Am I building pipeline? Am I getting out there? Am I asking for referrals? Am I doing everything? Yeah. And so I've had these quarters where I've had tough, tough quarters and they've almost always been followed by a really strong quarter. And it just goes to the like, Hey, if you have, you know, it goes, I loved Ted Lasso. That was one of my, uh, like, like you mentioned, going back to that sign, believe, you know? Um, and, um, if you believe that you're doing the right things and I think, Hey, audit it. And so, you know, the, the whole definition of insanity, don't do the same thing over and over and expect different results. But if you're doing things that you know are valuable, trust that they're going to pay off. Um, and, and so that's just something that stuck with me that, you know, sometimes I've built a huge pipeline, but deals aren't closing as quickly as I would like. Well, I'm going to keep building pipeline. I'm going to keep talking to people. I'm going to look at, Hey, what can I do to drive these things to close? But I, I'm not going to abandon the, you know, Hey, every day I'm waking up thinking about how can I build more pipeline? How can I move 
uh, of the deals I have in the pipe. What can I advance? And then what can I get closed? Yeah. Uh, I think you're spot on there, right? Like it's, it's the continue effort, but it's the, also the continue of optimization, right? Like, yeah, but I don't think you can do that too fast because then that's how things break. And then you don't figure out, Hey, what, what broke in this process as I continue to optimize. And so it's yeah. making those slow, slow optimizations. Um, but then sticking with it to a point where you say like, all right, I'm going to ride this out a little bit and see how this, how this pans because um, sometimes those are the biggest wins. It, it's a fine line, right? Like you, you know, you want to stay consistent, but at the same time, you're like, well, what else can I blend in? What else can I do? You know, it, the world's changing. If I'm, if I'm running the same playbook I ran five years ago, yeah, even five months ago, I'm probably not doing, you know, I, I, I'm not operating at optimum efficiency, but yeah. flip side is if I throw everything out and just say, okay, you know, I'm reinventing everything. Well, I, I'm probably not well served with that either. And so trying to strike that balance, like you said, man, I, I think that's, uh, uh, I, I love, I love that. And that's something, you know, I always struggle with. And I, I think one of the best things you can do is having a trusted peer group who you can bounce mm. things off and get outside perspectives and have them come in and say, well, have you thought about this or why are you still doing that? Um, and, you know, do the same for them. How have you, how have you found to find those like people in common or that group that you can bounce stuff off of? Cause I think for a lot of people out there, right? Like they want to have that group of camaraderie, but maybe it's not at the company that they're at. And, and so like, how would you encourage people to, to build their relationships and even find those groups? Yeah. I just am such a believer in, in serendipity and that, you know, if you do the right things and so I'll tell you, there's a guy uh, named Brandon Goldman who he interviewed with me probably 12 or 13 years ago for an AE role. And we were talking through and he was in a pretty good spot and he ended up like, we really hit it off, but I think he got a big promotion at the current place he was at. And he called to tell me about it. And my response to him was like, dude, that that's awesome. You should probably take yeah. that. That sounds like a great step up. And he did. And then like a few months later, he, he dropped me a note and was like, Hey, can we, uh, you know, can we stay in touch? I really enjoyed meeting you and would love to bounce things off you. And we've done that for like 13 years now. And I, I rely on him and other people like him that, you know, he's now a VP of sales doing fantastic. And he's one of those people who I count on to like, Hey, here's my problem. What, what am I missing? And, and just being able to bounce things off him. And so I think, you know, when you keep a lookout for people like that, you, you hold them close and you invest in them. Uh, and yeah. you never know where they might come from. Um, and so I, I don't know that I've had like this organized, here's what, you know, I'm going to go look for a mentor, but instead it's just through happenstance. And, and, you know, the more good you put out there, I think the more good that comes back to you as well. Yeah. Well, I think, right. Like it goes with anything. It's, it's vulnerable to ask. Right. And yeah. so where that vulnerability, like, I think as we continue to all be vulnerable and share those things, like we, we're vulnerable with our team, we're vulnerable um, sometimes with our coworkers, we're vulnerable with people when we ask for, for help. Right. But it's, you have to ask um, for it to get somewhere. So for him, right. Like he had interviewed with you for a role and then got a promotion, right. Like, so like he didn't necessarily need to reach back out, but no, you know, I think it was again, right. A hundred percent off this and authenticity. He saw that, um, he was, you were somebody that he could work well with. And then he came back with an ass like, Hey man, I just want to stay connected with you. Yep. 
And um, that genuine ask is what led you to say, yeah, let's let's continue to flourish this relationship and um, and continue to build it. And that's all part of it. And 99 out of 100 people would not have done that. They would have just said, I'm withdrawing from the process or something that's like it. that. And, and yeah. so that that is part of uh, what set him apart. Yeah, I love that. Right. Like and for all the people out there, right, like. Brian, he's he's telling you the um the gold here, right? Like set yourself apart, and I think we all need to do that as we continue to work in each pieces of, of the way that we sell our product, or the way that we go to market, or the way that we reach out to a prospect. Be different, be authentic, and your prospects will be able to tell the people that you work with will be able to tell um, those those maybe future mentors out there. Um, they'll be able to tell. Yeah, man, and. Uh, I, this is why I love what you're doing yeah. because I think the stuff you're putting out there and, and, yeah. and you know, I think you, like, I feel like they're mentors of mine who I learn from who I haven't actually met or at least I haven't even met in real life. You know, some of them it's through the books, through the podcast, through the videos and right. uh, you know what they're putting out there. And then I, I'll just say what's to me extra cool is that um, when you get the chance, to then meet those people in real life. And, you know, it, our, our, our heroes aren't always what we think, but I'll tell you, I've, I've met <laughs> some really amazing people who um, I, I'm just so fortunate. No, that's awesome. And I love that, right? Like um, to find those small wins in, in a time where, especially right now, right? Like we're, we're all in a down market and we're trying to figure things out. And yep. so and having those relationships to be able to bounce things off people, I think that's all the win. Yeah, I got, um, that's why. Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was say? just going to say, no, why? I, I'm, I'm grateful for you to, to have me on and, and for us to have had this chance to uh, uh, chat together. Absolutely. One last question for you, Brian. When you, yeah. when you leave this life, how do you want people to remember you? Yeah. That's, uh, so I, I'm talking to you on, on the day after I dropped my uh, oldest kid off at college. So it hits me hard, man. And I just think that, uh, you know, what, what, how you made, you know, I think it's like Maya Angelou people, uh, Maya Angelou, Angelo, who wrote, uh, people, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm paraphrasing, obviously that they won't remember, uh, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And so, yeah. you know, that's what I'm trying to do my best is to, to build some legacy, to help people along the way, to have some fun and, and have some success. And so if I can keep impacting people positively, um, I think in the end that, that, uh, bodes well. I love that. Brian, man, I appreciate you jumping on with us. And, you know, this is just another episode of How the Grades Do It.